you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast is a Pop Warner sensation. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my right. Ooh, to my left. Greg Rosenthal to Ooh. my right. Wow, what a way to start up the show. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Sloppy. So sloppy, I'm, I'm debating, should we start the show over? I think uh, it was just fine. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Wes's appearance in terms of sloppy. Oh, all right. Let's get into what that a little bit. What the hell does that mean? Great way to start scientist heat. A lot of scientists heat on Sunday's show. Uh, and now it just picks up right where it le- leaves off. I think Wes looks – this is the Wes uniform, and I like it. It's the <laughs> no, plaid button Wes looks good. He, I and was... the red, um, you know, the khaki hat. It's he, a little Forrest Gump-esque. It's got a little gumpy, <laughs> a little gumpy, but I like Wes like this. I've long fought, and I spoke with Wes about this privately, um, Wes going to a shadowy league figure and saying, listen, you tell me to take my hat off, you tell me to dress a certain way, you tell me to lather on all this makeup, let Wes be Wes, because this is what Wes looks like in real life, so why do we want to turn him into the next Bobby Costas? It's a realistic conversation except for the part where I speak in third person. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever say let Wes be Wes. <laughs> oh, your representative. Oh, okay. We'll speak for you. you I can... need one of those. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I'm still, I still have um, a lot of goodwill, goodwill, and good feelings toward all, everyone that came out to the tweet up in London to meet up with Connor and Mark. And Mark is, you know, Greg gave Mark an extra day, gave him a blow today. Well, he just got back from London, long flight last night, pretty late. So yes, he he and Connor have the you know the day off to recuperate, you know, maybe sweat off some of the you know stuff <laughs> that was in their bodies, uh, and, you know, and get, you know time zone thing and get ready for another big week. Give Mark a blow. Tomorrow. Yeah, give him a blow. Well, it's yeah, I wouldn't say it that way. Why? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Mark's not here. But, yeah, again, thank you to everyone that joined those two gentlemen uh, in London. It, um, you know, delivers the feels. Drops a big old feel hammer on all of us. Yeah, we'll we'll get more details on it from Mark on, when he's on the podcast. If he comes back at some point, uh, he'll we'll definitely talk to Mark about it. Today's show is a good one. We're going to get into the Monday night game between the Ravens and Cardinals, a good game, a, a game that looked like it was – uh, going to be uh, one to tune out late in the game, but then all of a sudden it got really competitive. So we'll get into that. Um, we'll check in on some news. There's a lot of interesting news going on around the NFL. Great name for the, the website, Greg. 
and the, and the television show. I mean, it just is a very sensible name. Yes, that is uh, good to know that this is a, an entire enterprise, both the Around the NFL podcast and the Around the NFL uh, editorial arm that we do much of the writing for. And then, of course, the old Around the NFL television show on NFL Network Monday through Friday with host Andrew Siciliano, who will be back in here on Thursday. Um, so we'll get to some news. Uh, then we will – listen, we're going to get the Fork Committee back together. Really, Wes, that was a, we had a nice – Talk about um, life uh, in the Fork Committee um, boardroom over some croissants, some bagels, some coffee. Uh, Colleen was there. She was invited. We gave her the uh, temporary pass. I thought the matzo ball soup was a nice touch. That was was good. We got the uh, gavilta fish. Is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan of the croissant sandwich. I never go for bagels. Mm. No bagels? I don't get bagels. They're too hard to chew. Why would you make a bread product that's harder to chew than other wow. options? We're going to have to disagree. It's like a jaw exercise. Well, you're not. Yeah. I mean, that's Wes hasn't spent a lot of time in New York where they know I, how to I make bagels. I went through a bagel Here, phase. Bad bagel I mean, They don't taste bad, but they, it's just too hard. I need, you know, an easier route to my stomach. All right, bro. <laughs> Back, Back off the on bagel the bagels. Meat. I mean, I know this whole scientist that's cute and stuff, but now you're getting a little too personal. I didn't know you were like a bagel spokesperson. Bagel buzz. I don't like you banging on bagels. <laughs> um, yeah, so the four committee got together, and uh, we nominated the latest uh, teams that could join um, the group of uh, 11, I believe, or 12 that we already have. Um, forking means no chance of making the playoffs, uh, we believe anyway. So we're going to talk about the nominees, see if we can – uh, stick the old fork in some other teams, and uh, we'll hit the Thursday night preview pack show here. And, of course, we're going to do one trade we'd like to see, each of us, throughout one trade scenario. So a lot of show. Trade deadline coming up next week. There November 3rd, I believe. Which makes it uh, timely. That's what we do here. We're ahead of the curve because by the time we tape next Tuesday, you know, the trade deadline will have passed. Boom. It's a money tag. The Around the NFL podcast is ahead of the curve. Mm. Yes. So let's start now with a little Monday Night Football. I like this song. I put it in the top ten of primetime songs. A rejuvenated Chris Johnson. Provided a pair of game-changing plays, 122 yards in total, and a touchdown, leading the Arizona Cardinals to a 26-18 win over the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night in Glendale. Or the big toaster, as Chris Berman said at halftime. Chris. Give up the ghost. Chris, it's 2015. Give up the ghost is right. Called it a toaster? He said, oh, the big toaster. I don't even get that one. Enough, Berman. Because the stadium in Glendale does kind of, I guess, resemble... The toaster. Anyway, Wes, you wrote up our great what we learned piece, our takeaways Monday night. And, yes, Chris Johnson uh, looks like the guy that he used to be. And it's been a long time since we saw that and helped the Cardinals win a game. He does. He had the tackle-breaking touchdown early on where he broke a couple of tackles. That was pretty. Which he didn't do early in his career much. And then he had the only play you'll ever see where a running back sat on a nose tackle's lap for a second and still scored a 62-yard <laughs> touchdown. Brandon Williams had him had his feet on the ground but not the rest of the body. So Chris Johnson got up and proceeded to run 62 more yards and set up a field goal. Don't want to rain on the Chris Johnson parade because it has been a really good story. But he didn't score on the play. And – Old Chris Johnson, he's gone once he gets a 10-yard head start on the rest of the field. So that speed isn't quite there anymore. No, but, but still. he's just as effective because he's more patient and he's more physical. And, I, you know, he's has definitely a benefit of Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer in the passing game opening running lanes. I will never get used to watching him break tackles. It's the most surprising story, I think, in the NFL this season is watching him play every week because he's finishing runs. He's running through arm tackles. Uh, he's just running like a different player than we've really seen in six, seven years. And that just doesn't happen in the NFL with running backs. But I think I think it's an effort thing. He's I, some, I do, too. He was something of a around the NFL punching bag on this podcast for like two straight years. And he had it coming. It, yeah, he was not good on the Jets last year. And the, the Titans years that that flamed out. He was it seemed long gone. So, you know, add 
a rejuvenated Chris Johnson to this offense, and I think they were saying it on the ESPN telecast last night, you know, becomes a, a real pick-your-poison offense with all that talent at wide receiver. Carson Palmer, I was so impressed by Palmer yesterday. He's been great all season, but especially that throw that he put on John Brown where he just he read the route and, and perfectly dropped in the buck. Great catch by Brown as well. But Palmer's making all the plays. This, this is a good team. Honestly, this was the least entertaining, least impressive performance by the Cardinals all season. It just happened to be on national TV. It, they weren't as fun to watch, but they were good enough to beat a Ravens team that isn't that great. It was a workmanlike performance for most of the game, you know, until the the end. I do think we can see enough games. They've only played seven of them. That there's a little bit of a trend here, though. That you said they outplayed the Rams. They don't, you know, you thought they really outplayed the Rams. They did. They ended up. I I would disagree somewhat on that game, but I think they did outplay them, and and they lost. They outplayed the Steelers. They really outplayed the Steelers. No argument there, and they lost. They're taking care of business here, and it ended up coming down to the last play of the game. I think you look at their wins, their blowouts against some bad teams. I think they have to be somewhat concerned that as good as they are, it's not all coming together. They're making too many mental mistakes I or think big plays going against them. I think it's their red zone offense. Whenever they play a quality defense, they struggled to punch it in. And you saw that early when they had to settle for a couple of chip shot field goals. They This is this is what Greg is referring to. They had a chance after the John Brown touchdown in the fourth quarter. They were up 16. 17 with, a, with the extra point. Three, three score game, good night. They missed the extra point. Then get a punt blocked that gets picked up one play later in for a touchdown, give up the two-point conversion, get the ball back, go into their four-minute offense to kill the game. They can't do it. Carson Palmer takes a terrible, um, uh, you know, he threw the ball away and they charge him with intentional grounding. Then they almost give up the the, the game-time score. They get into the red zone before the Ravens uh, get picked off. To their credit, they intercepted the pass. But that game should have been over. Another way to look at this is if it wasn't for the punk block, this conversation wouldn't be happening. Right. but It's just one play. I, I agree, but the, we've had these plays now three different times for them, and it's cost them two games, and it might cost them, you know, late in the season, the Seahawks are making a charge. Or it might not cost them at all right. because it could just be an early season but, thing they're getting out, getting out of their system. That's certainly – it's certainly possible. It's just – I think they're a better team even than they showed last night, and I think they're a better team than they've showed in a couple of these uh, losses. That said, I mean, they have stars everywhere. Palmer has been so steady. I mean, I don't know who is more accurate down the field than him. I mean, he is so consistently accurate. He just doesn't – I chart. I try to chart some of the quarterbacks. No one else goes deep as much as him, but has as few inaccurate passes as Carson Palmer week after week, makes very few mistakes – and then on defense, you know, your boy Honey Badger is nice to see him have a big game. It's you know enough about Patrick Peterson's been is he's pet, been great. He's been fine, but he's not the superstar of this defense. The stars of this defense are Honey Badger and Calais Campbell. Those are to me and Patrick Peterson, the two guys that are playing by but far I, the best think, this season. But I think Honey Badger's like defensive player of the year good this year. I think you could make a case he's in the mix. Pro Football Focus agrees. He's number one. I've never seen this on their site. He's number one amongst quarterbacks, cornerbacks in pass rush, coverage, and run defense. You never see that. He's running away with. And the he's the most like flexible guy of any uh, secondary player in the league, right? He's incredibly versatile. Yeah. He's playing slot corner, can play safety, freelances at the line of scrimmage, and to me. Isn't a top two or three most fun players to watch. In and the a sure ta- tackler. Like, he goes, yeah. he darts in, and, and these guys go down. He's not a big guy, but he takes guys You see down. him making plays by blitzing every week, and, and it's rare to see cornerbacks do that. He's like a smaller, quicker Troy Polamalu. John Harbaugh is going to go crazy by the end of this season. He had a couple bad calls, I think, go against him. I think that Chris Johnson play should have been blown dead. Uh, there was also another call that he was really fired up earlier in the game. I mean, this was the biggest loss they've had all season, eight points. It, I say it too much, but it really does show the difference. I mean, what is really the difference between the Falcons and the Ravens? There is a difference. But if you put them on a neutral field on any given day, I think they're roughly equal. And one of them is one and six and just miserable, and one of them is six and one. There is a difference between teams like the Ravens and the Lions, and I'll throw the Chiefs in there, with really bad teams like the Bucks or the 49ers, even if the records are about the same, 
Uh, yeah, and I definitely I put them in that same group. Well, if Ozzie Newsom lets free agents go all the time and rarely signs guys to second contracts. And when you do that, you can't afford to have your first-round pick, Brashad Perryman, who's the only guy in their offense with speed, missing half the season or most of the season. Uh, Sydney, how you doing behind the glass? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Is that a new hairstyle? (laughs) It is. It's curly today. A lot of people have been mentioning, like, what are you doing? I noticed these things. I literally just decided to curl it today, so. It looks a little, this is, you're you're a young woman. You might not know Farrah Fawcett, but it has that type of uh, tumbling blonde cascade, and I like it. I can you. pay a compliment. You know, Greg, you're giving me a look like, uh, you know, I'm not Dan, giving you any look. You're notch. always seeing looks that aren't there. <laughs> take it down a notch. In it's all like walks of life. I could pay. On his Twitter bio, sees looks that aren't there. A colleague that is, you know, has nice hair. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Let's do some news. <laughs> as far as the quarterback position goes, going to go with Brian Hoyer. New hair. Killer drop there. Sydney does it. Well, real hair recognizes real hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Ryan Mallett, the era is over. Ryan Mallett is no more. The Texans have released the quarterback this coming two days after Mallett, or three days, I should say, after Mallett missed the team flight to Miami, had a fly commercial. This led to a lot of internal debate between Bill O'Brien, the coach, kind of a no-nonsense guy that preaches team first, and general manager Rick Smith. Uh, there were reports out there that there was some hesitancy in the front office to get rid of uh, Mallet because they don't have a lot of depth at quarterback right now. But ultimately, common sense won out because Ryan Mallet, love you, buddy. I'm going to miss you, but you're a doofus, and now you don't have a job, Greg. <laughs> the report, I think, that makes sense is that Rick Smith didn't want to cut him before the game because they literally only had one quarterback, and what if Hoyer got hurt? Did you want yep. to just give up on that game? Is that responsible to the rest of the team? Little did they know they would trail at 41 to nothing at halftime. And Is that bad? the game probably wouldn't have gone any worse if they started DeAndre Hopkins at quarterback. Ryan Mallett, we're going to miss him each and every week. He oh, gave us man. a little something. And I'm always – I really am going to remember that Thursday night game where he got taken out. I mean, the way that his <laughs> career ended in Houston or his Houston run ended – could not have been more fitting for him to go out for a couple plays. Hoyer comes in, keeps the job. He stews all night. He's making faces. Then just a couple weeks later, you know, he misses the team uh, charter. He says he got stuck in traffic. And I love that the Houston Chronicle included this in their articles. They said <laughs> the non-existent Saturday Houston traffic. <laughs> I noticed. So that. I think that. So that I think great. the Texans. It's like they knew there's no traffic. Get rid of this guy. I th- you know, you hear DJ, Daniel Jeremiah, say that when he first got into scouting, it was 75% ability and 25% background, and now it's flip-flopped. Mm. 75% background and 25% ability. And Ryan Mao, it's a perfect example, was a first-round, you know, consensus first-round talent, but it fell to the third round because he had major character concerns, and we've seen why, you know, this year, multiple examples of why he fell to the third round. And, Sh- and Sheck is taking plenty of heat on Twitter. I was going to ask, has anybody checked on him? Uh, I, I did do a, a cameo on the Dave Damascheck football program this morning where I made sure that he was aware of the latest news. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, Sheck was bedeviled or beguiled, I should say, by the, the big arm. and, and The whip, as the, Sheck would say. The, whi- the whip. And also the coming from the Patriots' background. But you heard this even before he got – uh, to the NFL, you heard stories that he might be a knucklehead, and the fact that the Patriots, Greg, gave up on him uh, for and nothing, for basically nothing, pick. was another uh, red flag, and now it all comes out. I don't know if he's going to get another job. Why would you give him a job? I, I would th- guess he'll get signed in the offseason, but I don't think he'll get another I job. I doubt he makes a roster. I mean, beyond the character concerns, he's just not a good quarterback. Right. That's the thing. The tape kills him because he has that – he has that whip, but he also has that whip when he's tr- throwing three-yard passes to his running backs. It's also the difference between a defensive lineman and a quarterback. I think a defensive lineman that was halfway decent and back up on your team, he could miss a charter. But oh, yeah, you're I, the quarterback and you're the leader of the team and you do there this different multiple roles. times, it's, it's different. And yeah. you also publicly. And you should. It should be different. Publicly overslept and missed a practice. I, I thought the other thing that was interesting was the hard knocks um, training camp scenario where he overslept. And, and missed practice that came days after he lost his 
the competition to Hoyer. Mm. And then this incident where he misses the flight comes not too long after he lost the starting job back to Brian Hoyer. And pouted on the sidelines. That's a great point. He's Yeah, I mean, how – doesn't react well to adversity, which is the worst quality in a football player. Bad bad character guy, let's face it. The word coach killer is used sometimes to describe different quarterbacks. Ryan Mallett could really be a coach killer. And part of it is that little stretch he had replacing Hoyer in week one. I remember he had a third down pass very early to keep that drive going, and then he played well the rest of the game. And that decision that Bill O'Brien had to then play him, and he was stuck with it for four more starts, partly just based on that one quarter of play, that could kill Coach O'Brien. I like that phrase, Coach Killer. Remind me to bring that up later on in a different segment. Okay, we will. What a tease. He's also, by the way, a Ryan Mallard killer. Ryan Mallard. <laughs> well, that too. So I don't know if we'll see him again, but uh, we will miss you, buddy. Uh, moving on, we are not going to see uh, old Lombo around anymore either. Joe Lombardi. <laughs> no one knows who Lombo <laughs> Old Lombo. Nobody calls him Lombo. Everybody that knows about football on the inside <laughs> knows that he's old Lombo. Joe Lombardi has been fired, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, uh, with you know the Lions off to a terrible start this season, the offense not doing well. They also fired uh, offensive line coaches Jeremiah Washburn and Terry Heffernan. Uh, Caldwell confirmed it's Cooter time. That's not that's not how he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Caldwell. That is a direct quote. Okay, we'll that's a lie. That. Uh, Jim Caldwell confirmed <laughs> that Jim Bob Cooter will take over as offensive coordinator. Your thoughts, Wes? I think it's it, – the move yesterday – You can't even talk because you're still thinking about Cooter. Well, you go from Lombardi, this great name, to Jim Bob Cooter, who sounds like he should be under a car right now. <laughs> well, maybe that name helped out Joe too much. I mean, it is – I still think it gets swept under the rug a little bit that he's the grandson of Vince Lombardi, that that's an actual thing that happened, and this guy rose up to be the offensive coordinator. Maybe he got the job too soon, and Jim Caldwell – who he's the Dave Shula of the 21st century, right? Who has had some success as an offensive coordinator and a coach uh, with the Colts and, and the Ravens uh, brings in a system that didn't seem to fit Matthew Stafford's skill set, very timing precision based on the quarterback, making a lot of smart decisions and changing protection. And I don't know if Stafford's ever developed into that guy. So Jim Caldwell, who was hired explicitly to save Matthew Stafford, to fix Matthew Stafford. Caldwell was given credit for Joe Flacco's Super Bowl run when they fired Cam Cameron and went to Caldwell, and they thought he could save Matthew Stafford. Is this move throwing Joe Lombardi to the Wolves to save his own job? I Yes. Not only to He's save his trouble. own job, but I think he thinks this is going to give him the best chance to turn it around. I mean, you wouldn't do – he doesn't seem like a guy who wants to make a midseason firing. Who really does? But maybe he thinks if we change some things – me and uh, Cooter getting in a room, and <laughs> and we uh, me we and Cooter s- down by the schoolyard. The whole London game thing has really turned into a coach killer as Ooh. well. Now they haven't gone to London yet. It's the first two coaches have been fired, Dennis Allen and Joe Philbin, after going to London. The Lions are on their way to London this week to face the Chiefs. But Caldwell, it really is telling to me that he could not wait for that bye week to make the change. He said, "We got to do this this week." Well, you, we talked about how. Caldwell has to save Stafford, not just mentally. He got hit 21 times in two games by the Vikings. Both times the Vikings sent him to the hospital for x-rays. Wow. The the most recurring problem with the Lions all season is they have free rushers coming at Stafford where the offensive line or Stafford, I don't know whose problem, or the coach, whatever it is, they can't figure it out. And that's why the offensive – it makes sense. That's why the offensive line coaches got fired. He gone. They just could not solve teams endlessly blitzing them. It just never happened. Do you think Amir Abdullah, uh, who's become a lost figure after all the offseason hype, might uh, see new life the way a Lamar Miller did down in uh, Miami? It's an interesting comparison. They're similar players. Not a hopeless case, this Lions team. Certainly not offensively. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they go 5-5 five and five or 6-4 and four the rest of the way. I don't think they're that bad of a team. I agree. Also, if you were, um, let's say you were like anti-Joe Lombardi and you had to make up a name to like point out a, you're making an anti-nepotism type thing, you'd be like, you know, if his name was, I don't know, Jim Bob Cooter, do you think he'd get this job? 
And yet, Jim Bob Cooter is not only a real name, he's replacing Lombardi. Is it the best name in NFL history? It's not even close, right? Jim Bob Cooter's a great name. All right, so Lombo, old Lombo, gone. And when I'm chomping on cigars with the other inside NFL decision makers, that's how we'll refer to it. Oh, man, they go, they got old Lombo. Old Lombo. Yeah. Nobody's buying it. All right. $1.3 million next year. Nice. To not coach. Not bad. Uh, Greg Hardy saga. Let's talk a little more Greg Hardy. Of course, he had the uh, what amounted to a meltdown on the sideline late in the Sunday game against the Giants where he went, off the, went after um, the special teams coach. Uh, knocking his clipboard out of his hand, a bunch of Cowboys players trying to calm him down. Greg Hardy's only been there uh, with the team playing for two weeks, so it was all very strange. And then we had this, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport, uh, better known as Rap Sheet, reported on Monday that Hardy did not participate in practice on Thursday, didn't even reach out to the team. He just was not at the facility, and the Cowboys spent most of Thursday morning actively searching for their defensive end just to make sure he was okay. They eventually located for him and then covered for him, uh, in my opinion, by just not making it into a story, just saying, oh, he didn't practice because he was ill. Uh, three days later, he has the blow up on the sideline. These Add these two things together, Greg. And you know, what's going on with Greg Hardy? There was another incident that I don't know what it was about, but Ian said the team had to speak to him about his behavior. It's insane. And it's insane to see all the players line up and defend him. This is the kind of leadership we need. It's It'd be one thing if Jason Garrett and, and the Cowboys ownership, you know, say, okay, we're going to talk to him in a, in a closed-door meeting. You can't keep disrespecting our coaches on the sideline, this, that, and the other. But they just doubled down to shove it in all of our faces. This is the kind of guy we want. This is a leader. And we want to sign him to a contract extension. That was the response to this, is that we want to sign him to a, a contract extension. Did you see the video of uh, Jenny Varentis' face when Jerry Jones called him a leader? Right. <laughs> no. a, rep- a reporter for the MMQB.com, she was standing about a foot behind Jerry Jones with her notebook and tape recorder. And when he said Greg Hardy was a leader, she got this very sour, like, she looked like she was going to vomit. She looked like the rest of America Understandably. when they see Greg Hardy do what he's doing on the sideline. And I've heard the argument, well, you know, if Tom Brady did this or this. Well, first of all, your prior record matters. Tom Brady's earned Everything a lot that's of happened and the reason why Greg Hardy's been in court and the reason he's been suspended for domestic violence, he absolutely should be judged differently. Secondly, it's not every Sunday you see coaches shoving a player out of a huddle and slapping and the, and the player slaps uh, the, play, the clipboard, clipboard away from him. That, it's not like that happens. Tom Brady's not doing that. No one's doing that. I did that to you once a couple of weeks ago, but then you talked to me and I was like, you're right. It's, I will never touch your clipboard again. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's amazing how much they've compromised their integrity. The arrogance of this organization, by the way. And I, I mean, think I firmly believe in life when you do stuff like this, it comes back to haunt you. You can call it karma or whatever you want, but when you – this isn't acting like your best self. Mm. This isn't acting like we're a first-place team. This is acting like we're going to do whatever we want and we're not going to face any consequences ever. So you're saying the injuries to Tony Romo and Des Bryant were caused by the No, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying what's about to happen to them the rest of the year when they don't live up to expectations, Mm. when they do get Romo and Bryant back and they keep losing close games because they have no integrity and they have no cohesiveness and they've got one player running amok with no rules whatsoever. Their PFF karma rating is way low. (laughs) It's like negative 7.2 It is uh, for the week. But I, I, this is a hard team to root for. I mean, you gotta, you got to admit it. After all, What the, if you remove Greg Hardy? If you, even if before Greg Hardy, it was like, okay, so I didn't like how they handled the DeMarco Murray thing in the offseason. I thought it was very, you know, way overconfident how they thought that they could plug in anyone because they had built this modern dynasty behind their offensive line. They believe that it is still 1995. They, that's how they operate, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's not even close. I, I think I've made the point about the sliding scale for NFL justice too much where depending on how talented you are, you can get away with more. I mean, there's never been a better example of it than, than, Greg, Hardy. than, than Greg Hardy right now. And that's why people are annoyed about it is the duplicity, that you're saying one thing that we care about character or anything. If, if they were just honest that said he's too good, we, we don't care – 
that he's a total knucklehead. And, and, and some teams are more honest about it. Maybe that would Well, it's even there. more stark when we went through what we went through last year. Right. There's an old uh, Mike Francesaism that I think applies to this, which is the bill always comes due. <laughs> totally agree with that. And that's what's going to happen to the Cowboys with Greg Hardy. I don't know if it sinks this season or, um, you know, maybe it happens next year, but Greg Hardy is going to end up being a, a big mistake and they're going to pay for it. Bad juju. Well said. Bad juju. All right. Finally, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, who badly damaged his hands, of course, in that his hand in that July 4th fireworks accident, looks like he's closer to rejoining the Giants. Uh, Rap sheet reported that the Giants are, quote, comfortable with JPP, uh, where he's at physically after examining his hand for a second time uh, this week. The two sides are now negotiating a deal. That's the final st- step for JPP. So, you know, we're hearing that a deal's going to get done maybe as soon as today, uh, Tuesday. And, you know, once a deal's done, maybe we won't see him. Uh, he might be on the field uh, sooner than maybe anybody expects. He could be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, the roster exemption is only two weeks. He's going to have to get back into football shape. And, you know, the first thing I thought is what team needs a pass rusher? What contender, at least for a playoff spot, needs a pass rusher more than the Giants? It's exact. I mean, he is exactly what they need. They yeah, but he's like the Loch Ness monster or Chupacabra at this point. I believe. Well, he's Jason Pierre-Paul exists when I see him on. A he's in the game. building. By the time people hear this, he might have signed a contract that's going to have a lot of incentives in it. Who knows if he's going to be with that team long term? Who knows if he can play as well as he did before? That's a totally open question. But they have absolutely no pass rush. They there's, need him. They're bad. still four and three. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they need a bet. Because they can't get to the quarterback. But they're in first place. It could be a big uh, lift for them if he's even half the guy. We'll see. And that's what's happening. Stick a fork in him. All right. This is time to talk. It's time to talk about the uh, stick a fork in him series for around the NFL. We stick a fork in a team. That means it's over. They have no chance of making the playoffs in our mind. And before we get to... Uh, the nominees for today's show. Let's now look back on who has already been forked. There are 12 teams. Here they are. Shame. The Cleveland Browns. Shame. The Chicago Bears. The Detroit Lions. Shame. The New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay Shame. Buccaneers. San Francisco 49ers. Shame. The Houston Texans. The Oakland Raiders. Shame. The Miami Dolphins. Shame. The Shame. Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, Shame. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Shame. Mm. So that's it. Twelve teams shamed uh, and forked. <laughs> shamed and forked. Shamed and forked. That is quite a tough thing to deal with. Dolphins and Saints, the early leaders of the teams that could could you know, give us a little. That's scare. what I was going to say. Is who uh, among those names, teams I just listed. Are we a little nervous about? Um, I'm not as pumped up about the Dolphins as Wes is, but I will acknowledge they're playing really well with a big game against the Pats. I'll be very nervous if they beat That's the Pats. That's the only team I'm nervous. I'm not wor- nervous about the Saints at all. They've got to. I'm not. Really, they've got to plow through a bunch of. Teams. I'm not nervous about any. If I if I had the Just Saints continue to respect the Dolphins like he did Rashard Matthews early I, in the year. I think they could win eight or nine <laughs> games, maybe, but I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I, if I really was forced. To choose one, I th- I still think the Jaguars only one game back in the AFC South. Yeah, that's you, you never know how that division's gonna. Yeah, go. Yeah, that's true. I know they've been bad, but I don't know. I'm gonna give the Raiders a little respect and yeah. say that right. I'm a little bit nervous about the Raiders. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Who are and I'm very nervous about the Jets and Raiders this weekend. I think that's a tough game uh, for the Jets. So now the nominees. All right, so. We got together. We had the croissants. We had the bagels. We had the coffee. We had the locks. We had the uh, matzo ball soup for breakfast. Is that what you said? Hey, you can have it any time of day. It's Weird. delicious. All right. And this is what we came up with. And we'll go down the list. We'll start with a team, I guess, that would be the um, the leading uh, nominee here, the San Diego Superchargers. Um, your thoughts, guys. The argument against them is is easy. They have the best quarterback of any uh, team with that bad of a record in the league. And their next four opponents are teams that we've forked and don't have any uh, don't have more than two wins, any of them. So that's the argument to keep them. 
All right, here's the argument against them. They have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. In fact, I believe they were they are the only team in NFL history to allow 24, point, 24, ga- 24 points in every one of their games to open the season for seven straight weeks. It's hard to really um, look at the final score last week, too, and be like, oh, well, they got beat. It was a good battle. They were not competitive for a lot of that game. And that made me think, once again, because I thought that we should have forked them last week, It was the thought is this is the middle team in the NFL. They are 8-8, eight and eight, doomed to 8-8 eight and eight at best. So why would we have them in contention to make the playoffs when eight games ain't going to cut it in the AFC? Yeah, that's, that's the argument. That's a strong argument. Again, I'm going to go to the schedule. If you look at the games that they lost at Cincinnati uh, by five, they lost to the Steelers by four. They lost to the Packers in Green Bay in, in a one-score game. These are good losses if there ever are such a thing. They've had a tough schedule. It's going to turn around. But two and five, and I, I think betting going against them is really supporting the rest of those AFC teams like the Jets and the Steelers and even the Raiders and the Dolphins if you wanted to go that far. And that's why, ultimately, I would fork them. They're forked. Their defense is terrible. I don't think they can. I thought that Raiders game was the key game uh, in that division between those two teams. Which which way are those team teams going to go? And they told us, thirty-seven to six after three quarters. I agree. I think it's time to say goodbye to the Chargers. They have at Ravens, which is not a gimme. Uh, home to Bears, home to Chiefs, at Jaguars. That, that's Listen. as easy as it gets. And, and yet, I well, still think they'll go two and two there. There you go. Let's get rid of them. Sorry. Let's get rid of them. Hey, you know, this now that the Chargers are forked, I guess uh, this might be a good time. Hey, uh, do we have anything, uh, Sydney, any type of piano? I'm trying to find some. Something slow. (laughs) I certainly have. uh, Something deserving of the moment. It's been a tough ride for the team of ATL last year. Chosen uh, in controversial circumstances. Didn't really uh, do well down the stretch, ultimately. A lot of injuries. Uh, Mike McCoy still has the personality of, you know, a balsa wood or Joe Feldman's uh, white sneaker. I have this that might do in a pinch. No, that won't be it. But Sarah McLaughlin's I will remember you is a nice song. I I will go a cappella. I don't like to have to do this, but in a pinch, that's what I'll do. San Diego Superchargers. San Diego Superchargers. Rest in peace. That was beautiful. Thank you. Four. Wow. Oh, that's emotional. To Acapella. just be in the room when when an artist like this comes out, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> it's an honor. All right. So they're forked. The Chargers are done. Uh, and, you know, perhaps see you in L.A. in 2000. 16 st- keeps on getting worse for San Diego fans. Sorry, guys. Um, so that is 13 teams. Next team up, the Tennessee Titans. You just totally destroyed their their fan existence in one kind I'm of. I'm not happy. One aside. Do they have a fan existence? Oh, they do. They're they're out there. Um, but it's true. I mean, it's a bad situation down there, and they don't have a good team this year. The Titans. I just said Titans. I slipped into that. But let's let's face it. They're one and five. They're a disappointment this year. There's a lot of buzz early in the year with Marcus Mariota. Uh, and perhaps uh, there's a very good chance he's still going to be a very good quarterback, but we're not there yet for the Titans. They're not there yet. They're one in five. Just that record alone, even in the AFC South, so a wild card's gone. And uh, perhaps, Greg, the case is made this we could cover ourselves because we're forking everybody else in the AFC, AFC South but the Colts. Um, give us a, a little bit of cover in case the Colts completely go down the tubes. But at the same time, that's not how you play it. Is that's it? not how you play the game. That's, you you evaluate yeah. the team. You play to win the game. Maybe the Jaguars shouldn't have been forked or whatever. I don't regret that either. It doesn't matter. The Titans have been gifted a cake schedule, a four-game homestand. They lose all four. They've played one team this season that currently has a winning record, and they've still only won one game. I love Mariota. I just don't think this team can get to even seven wins, which I do think of ultimately you're going to need to get to six or seven win, seven wins in the AFC South. So I don't care about the Colts. I'd fork them. They're one play. One play from being in first place. No, but you don't get that play back. All that's, right. That's over with. Okay, that's fine. I'll fork the Colts right now. 
they're a, we said last week they're a bad, bad football team. So, they're even worse than that. They're an awful team. They could go three and thirteen. So they have three wins now. They are who are they going to be favored against the rest of the year? Now I would. Class, you know how this game works. So if we fork the Colts, that means that we cannot fork the Titans. So we're saying the Titans at one and five are going to win the AFC South. Look, You're I'm, I'm saving the Titans because the Colts. Uh, how can you guys? Fork the Titans when you see the Colts play, and they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now, I, I would be in favor, and this we would have to really discuss it, if it forking the entire AFC South. But that's something like that <laughs> has never been done before fork in, in forking history. Fork the division. Goodell, take them out of the NFL. They they're terrible. It. it ensures we are paid. It ensures we make a, a, charity, a charitable division. I'm willing to pay money to get rid of this division. <laughs> I, I I feel like we can't make that decision without Mark, though. We're yeah, that's true. We need Mark. Maybe we could sit on that for a week and think okay. about it. That, and that's, NFC East could be in play for that as that's, well. That's possible. For now, I would fork the Titans. It sounds like Wes would not. I would, I would feel, just to make a point, I would fork the Colts before the Titans. You know, you get Wes spiteful with this points. game, Wes. Well, you guys love to save bad teams and get rid of other bad teams. You don't, I don't get it. What you don't well, get Well, play this. favorites with your bad team. No, no, no. It's Here's like we the, know they're bad. But we're just saying there are degrees of bad. And the I don't Titans think the Colts the are Colts. like way more likely to make the playoffs than the Titans are. The Here, Colts gonna, are an awful football team. I'm going to break it down. We have different opinions of who are the bad teams. There's, not much, there's not much to get. <laughs> right. You think some? T- you think the Redskins are coached by you know Joe Lombardi's great you know grandson grandfather? He did coach the Redskins. The go- he did. did not agree run with Washington. <laughs> uh, and you know I disagree on that. The only way to shake Wes out of these you know Wes, you're being confrontational on this a little bit. No, you guys. Sometimes you just gotta, you you gotta lay sense. out some logic on this. Why? That what we, if? What because if, you want to keep the lose four games in a row, Cowboys, but get rid of the Redskins. What if the Titans? Well, see, you can't play both sides of the fence because you're always going back to wait till so and so gets healthy. The Cowboys have Tony Romo and Des Bryant. Right, back. but they just sold their soul for Greg. We'll get Hardy. to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to All that. Right. At they are the t- Titans are at Texans in Week Eight. Can we fork the Titans if they fall to one and six after getting beat by the Texans? In- I need to see what the Colts do because they're the worst team out of the two teams right now. All right, let's let's negotiate. The Texans have a what pretty frisky defense, or the Titans have a pretty frisky defense right well, now. What do the Colts have? Well, here's here's what's in Wes's favor: is the Colts play the Panthers, Broncos, and Falcons in the next three weeks. Blowout, blowout, blowout. Blow They'll be lucky to win one of those. I could see them winning. I'm they can't even keep pace division. with the Saints. All right, we'll we'll discuss fork. I'm open to fork in the division. All right, so the Titans are saved by Saint Wesling. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. This will be an this is an fork them. All right, here we go. The Bills are three and four, uh, but the, you know what? It's not just about the record with the Bills. It's about First, the, the injury situation, which isn't necessarily getting better anytime soon. Well, it will get better. They have a bye week, and they're going to get Tyrod Taylor back. Tyrod Taylor. Why did you just turn off your own microphone? It was a bad <laughs> bad move by me. Moving it you down. Like, you actually, it's not like you accidentally hit it. You were talking, and then you hit the cough button. It made no sense. I'm going to order you to there's something turn behind off your microphone. That. There's something like emotionally behind what you just did. I want to be silent. Psychologically. <laughs> Especially when I'm talking about the Bills. EJ Manuel was as bad. Oh, now Dan's just doing it to me. We found a new game. This is not going to go. This is the game that ends the game that ends the podcast. We just when we start disagreeing with each other like monkeys, we start hitting the cough button on our own mic boxes. This Love is, it. We've Love hit it. the low point. Anyway, go ahead, Greg. What the hell's going on out there? Nicely played. EJ Manuel was such a step down. Tyrod Taylor is a legitimate asset as a starting quarterback. You get Taylor back in there. You get Sammy Watkins. You get Kyle Williams. Those are real assets for a team that has a lot of talent and that I picked to go to the playoffs before the season. We're talking about a team that believes E.J. Emanuel is as good as Tyrod Taylor. Well, How could we trust him to win? Someone in that organization apparently did. Someone with a lot of influence believes that E.J. Emanuel can give Tyrod Taylor. I well, can't it's over with it. now. That's not right. going to be a problem. All right, They're we- 19th in the NFL in defense. They're supposed to be a defensive team. They were 25th in run defense, D- DVOA, Football Outsiders Metrics, before T.J. yelled and dropped 100 on them. They're a bad defense. All right, be fair about this, Greg. You ready? Because I believe they should be forked as well. They have a bye week in week eight, home to Miami week nine, win or loss. That's the game – 
the loser of that is done for the season. Loser goes I home. agree. I would take the Bills at this point, but it's a toss-up. All right. Dolphins then they are a much better team. This right is now why, yeah, this is why they that is a must-win, obviously, because if they uh, even if they're four and four, their next three games are all on the road at New York Jets, at New England, at Kansas City. To me, that is they'd be lucky to come out of that four-game stretch with two wins, and they're already three and four. They could get three wins. You're right. To be a playoff team, they're going to have to win three. And then the schedule eases up on the backstretch. And the AFC schedule in general out of division is favorable. No games where I think they'd be a heavy underdog. Okay. So you're saving the Bills for now. I don't know. This was supposed to be. I know where Mark would. Oh, Mark. We were, supposed to be get, we were supposed to be getting bold. We know we're going to get a lot of tweets from the Bills uh, fan base if we fork them in week seven, especially if they make a run on us. That actually seems kind of fun. It does. I like the sound. All right, let's fork them. Whoa! Yeah, Rosen! Rosenthal! All right. You're gone. You forked Buffalo Bills out of the AFC playoff race in week seven. All right. Uh, NFC East, we were going to talk about that, but I kind of feel like we're just going to run in circles on that one. The Redskins did come back to beat the, the woeful Bucks saving them from the fork west high on washington and if we're going to not high on washington at all if we're okay you're not, you're not high on the teams that share the division with washington i'll fork the cowboys right now because okay. have you guys ever read faust are you familiar with the robert johnson and the crossroads selling his Thoroughly. soul to the devil faustian bargain do you know what happens when you sell your soul to the devil bad things <laughs> bad things Cowboys are going they're, – they're not going to win this division if they're selling their soul to the devil. <laughs> you know, that's not how the world works, though. I got it is say. how the world works. A I'm telling of, you, it's how the world works. The world – They're not going to win this division if they're selling their soul to the devil. Things I, things will come undone. I would love if the, the center world cannot hold. were sunshine and rainbows, but good things happen to bad people all the time. Look at this. And then what happens company. after they happen – after <laughs> the good things happen, they ultimately crumble. <laughs> the center cannot hold. All right. We're I mean, gonna, I'm obviously not going to fork Well, we Cowboys. are going to try to fork uh, half the league by the end of next week, after next week's games. Now, that means only, I think, a few more teams. Two. We need to fork and two more teams. just remember, a vote for the Cowboys is a vote for Greg Hardy. Keeping all of <laughs> NFC East alive does not make sense to me, logically. We might have to have some backroom trading. Oh, I should have. Force trading. I should have held my bills chip. I really blew it. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. yes. We're going to have to do some horse trading, though. I'll give you X team if we can just kill off uh, the old. I'm willing Wash- to fork Washington the Rams right now, team. too. So you might need that chip. I blew it. All right. <laughs> don't, don't beat yourself up, Greg. So you guys are saving the Cowboys. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. A vote for Greg Hardy. Good job, Dan. That's fine. Well, you're, vote, you're voting for some other people in that organization. That Don't you're try to reframe behind. the debate, you politician. <laughs> I I can't say anymore, but you're you're casting some votes in questionable places as well. Hmm. All right. We're all voting. <laughs> I vote against the Cowboys, but if you guys want to save them, I understand. All right. Moving forward. That's it for the four conversations. So we're up to 14. We'd like to get to 16 by the aftermath of week eight, which is a week from today. So can we get two more teams? I thought it was going to be after week nine once every team has played half the season. Kay. But we'll, we'll talk about we it. We'll talk about it. That's fine. That's it. Two more teams. That's not much. We can handle this. We can do this. Um, all right. Moving on. Let's, um, let's talk about one move real quick. This is a fun conversation. One trade we would like to see. The deadline's coming up next week. You know, the NFL isn't known for blockbusters in season. It's not It's not impossible. It could happen. Uh, trades do happen occasionally. But uh, the ones we're talking about are, like, fun ones we'd like to see. So Had some decent ones in recent years. Yeah, Trent Richardson. That wasn't at the deadline, but it was during the season. Percy it was saucy. Har- Percy Harvin was at the deadline last year. Yep. Not a blockbuster. Nothing but happened certainly a big, Last year were more trades than normal. Big name. Uh, it, it can happen. So let's, uh, let's start with Chris Wessling. One trade you'd like to see. Well, you know, I had this all set up. The perfect trade would be Steve Smith on a going-nowhere Ravens team gets traded back home to the Panthers, who desperately need a wide receiver. But he shut that down and said he quit. And John Harbaugh said it's not happening. He's never trading Steve Smith. So I can't do that. I've got to go off the map. The Fire Sale Bears trade Matt Forte, and they trade Marty B. back to the Giants. Both players to the New York Giants. Tom Coughlin, you know, this could be his last year. Wow. 
Jerry Reese needs to save his job. Oh, that makes the sense. Giants can run away with the NFC East. Rashad Jennings is terrible this year at running back. Their tight ends aren't doing much. Get, go get Marty wow. and Matt Forte and win the NFC East. Not only that, you have the underrated possibility of the all two lane backfield. Matt Forte and Orleans Darqua. Maybe you get <laughs> That was my first thought. You get Mueldy Moore out, out of retirement. Thinking, when did you go to too late? Then yep. you're all set. And you give you can Jerry Reese and bring back Mike Tannenbaum, get him out of Miami. Ooh, maneuver that away. I like that. Uh that that it will never happen like Real? most of these trades, probably. But it makes a lot of sense for that organization. I think it's 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 a do or die. For both season. organizations. For both. Yeah, I agree. Real talk, what would it cost? It would be at least a one no. Well, Bennett. Oh, yeah. Not, not no. at all. No, I don't think For so. For Forte and Bennett. No, Bennett. not at all. Bennett is where you lose it. I th- I don't think it would make sense to trade Martellus Bennett the way he's playing. He's going to cost a lot more. His contract isn't bad. Forte's at the end of his contract. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to sign him next year. I think you could just – if you just made it Forte – and you gave up a third round pick, then that's that would probably do it for you. Maybe a second, a late, a second round pick. If that, if Maybe you a could fourth. Get, if you could get Matt Forte for a mid round draft pick, there should be thirty one general managers calling the Bears right now. For a guy who's a free agent at the end of the year. Well, they yeah, would have to sign him. They would have to come up with a way to sign you him. Guys, you guys, perhaps you're overrating how much free agents to be are worth compared to Drake. Martellus Maybe. Bennett's only getting paid $5 million next year for a high-level starter. He's worth right, a lot. Okay. I think that's where it gets less believable is him. And maybe I'm thinking, you know, because these big trades with actual blue chip stars don't happen a lot in the NFL, but in MLB, it happens all the time. You get a guy in yeah, his contract. NFL is totally different. Maybe but it's the same principle. We're talking about a guy who's going to be a 30-year-old running back who's going to want $8 million a year. He doesn't have a ton but of But if a back. team thinks he's the missing piece to win a Super Bowl – there's leverage to be gained there. I, I think you would be able to get at least a second-round pick for Matt Forte. I'd be shocked if that was the price. Well, we're never going to find out, unfortunately. Oh, we might. Wouldn't, Forte is the one guy I think make – if if a trade is going to happen, I think he's the thing is, most guy. most contenders don't need a running back. The Giants are the one team that does. So the All right. Well, uh, my my choice, here we go. The Broncos are 6-0, and but everyone knows they're done, basically, if – if Peyton Manning is going to be a top five quarterback, they're not going to go on a deep January run. Uh, no, of course they're going to get picked off by a team that throttles their offense and they're going to lose, you know, 17 to six or something. So what they need to do, it's a little bit of a Hail Mary move because if the quarterback can't throw anymore, maybe nothing will help him. But give it a shot. Call up the San Francisco 49ers who are going nowhere and get their tight end that has been motivated or productive for a few years now. Vernon Davis. Give Peyton Manning the tight end that he's missing now that Julius Thomas is gone. Peyton's always been very productive at tight ends. And maybe see if it works. You give up a fourth or fifth round pick, get Vernon Davis, and see if it clicks and you give Peyton Manning uh, some type of security blanket, something he could trust over the middle because he needs something, obviously, to save a sinking season. I like it. 49ers aren't going to use Vernon Davis. They, they're they moving away from him. And he, I checked on the next-gen stats, highest – Miles per hour by a tight end this season? Vernon Davis. He can mm. still move. Vernon Davis. This is the type of trade that does happen in the NFL occasionally. A aging star who's not quite playing like a star, but he would add to that offense, and it wouldn't cost much. I agree. I think fourth or f- fifth round pick is plenty. Let's do it, John Elway. Get on the phone. John we Elway. You no, know, Johnny's not shy. He'll make a move for a veteran. Wes. I mean, uh, Greg. Well, mine is a little less likely, but it would be fun. You know, that AFC South, it's a depressing time there for the Houston Texans. You could save the season by going out and taking that Jay Cutler contract <laughs> off the Chicago Bears' hands. The Bears would love to get rid of it. They'd, loop, they'd view this whole season as a success, that Cutler looked good enough so that they could get rid of the contract. You have Jay Cutler in place for next year. After that, you can get out of it if you're Houston. Hey, that's better than what you got. It's a big upgrade for a team that's trying to win, that's got some good players. It's a big upgrade to go middle of the pack compared to Brian Hoyer. And you can still draft a quarterback at the top of the draft like you want. You got a lot of that money in Houston selling those tickets. Nice sponsorships. <laughs> oh, Wes, you go first. There's oh, not a, double talk Rosenthal talking like, out of both sides of his mouth. What do you mean? Calls Ryan Mallett a coach killer and wants to send the coach killingest quarterback of all time hey, he is, to the Houston Texans. He is patient zero of malcontent quarterbacks. <laughs> it would be hilarious hey, if they hey, dumped Mallett. Hey, send it to the Texans so he can knock another coach off his list. Well, you know, the Brian Hoyer is not a coach saver, so they don't have any options. And Cutler... Throwing some bombs to your boy DeAndre Hopkins, 
He's like, It'd be a, an upgrade for that, a team that, that could would need be a, fun to watch. Cutler's yeah. like Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison. He's got this piece of paper above his bed, and he's <laughs> about to cross up Bill O'Brien in lipstick. <laughs> Coaches, he's getting fired. It'd be fun, though. Come on. <laughs> it, you know what? DeAndre Hopkins deserves a better brand of quarterback. It I'll does. say that. And he he would probably thrive Cut- offensively. Cutler is fine. He gets maligned. So so maligned. Meanwhile, Matthew is just skating through life. They're both coach killers. All right. You called trace. him Mr. Cavallari. <laughs> Mr. Cavallari, <laughs> of course. I knew his I knew his wife before Jay knew her. I used to watch Laguna Beach back in the day. <laughs> so you knew her? That doesn't count. That's not like how I it, knew of her. That's not like, how this works. <laughs> weren't you like humans? <laughs> you were next door neighbors with Lindsay Lohan, weren't you? I was for a time. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. That's for another part. Po- that's the Lindsay Lohan was my neighbor podcast coming up. <laughs> 2016. That's right. We're adding podcasts all the time. I almost forgot. People listening to the show should listen to the Rosenthal and Jesselnick Vanity Project. We actually have started a new podcast. See, you know, you open the door, Wes, to get that <laughs> let him get it that. It took like in. three shows. You know, it's been up a week. It but, could you know, be good. I haven't should, listened yet. Should people should go and subscribe. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, <laughs> Dan's <laughs> thrilled that this game. I out. didn't say anything. You can't get on me. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> I want you to be happy and successful in whatever you want to do. Thanks, Dan. Anything you want to pursue? Should, yeah, just subscribe. Then you should subscribe and you know comment. And Anthony Jeselnik is one of the hottest comics in America. Whoa. Like by looks or by popularity? Well, oh, I meant popularity, but he's a handsome guy, too. So I think that this has a chance to be like the biggest podcast on NFL.com. Oh, I've got. (laughs) Well, now what did I say wrong? I've got texts from people back home in Cincinnati who were just blown away that Greg is good friends with one of the hottest comics in America. This is big. Old friends. Oh, yeah. Roommates, right? Long time. Tulane? Tulane. We Tulane. moved out here. When I moved out here mm. for a couple of years. That's in New York. I mean we weren't roommates in New York, but he was in New York. It's a really promising podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it all together, your football knowledge, the friendship between you and Anthony, his fame and celebrity, plus his great sense of humor, obviously. Can't miss. It's Could, no theology podcast. Could end up being one of the there. best podcasts on this network. Or the best. Could be. How would you feel about that? I, you know what? It could be a great show. <laughs> Let's move on to Thursday night football. The Dolphins at the Patriots. And this is, I'm looking forward. I love the AFC East, obviously. Um, but I also love the idea of the Patriots maybe, you know, licking their wounds a little bit. A big hard-fought victory against the physical Jets team. Uh, and now they turn around on a, on a short rest and get the Dolphins, who are all pumped up, uh, with their pumped-up head coach Dan Campbell coming off two big wins, blowout wins, all the confidence in the world. Uh, you put it all together, and Wes, this to me uh, seems like the recipe's there for a Thursday night, I'm going to say it, classic. I agree, totally. And this is where, as Greg would say, my narratives are colliding. Because I do think the Dolphins are a playoff team. I think they're the real deal. I think they're playing great. I don't think it's just a product of their opponents. I think they are a good football team, but I don't want to disrespect the Patriots, whom Dan believes are my favorite team. Oh, you carry that water up and down the hill. Why wouldn't I? They're worthy of our respect. All they do is win every year. And Tom Brady, I mean, every year he pulls further and further away from Joe Montana. Joe Montana does not have Mm. the sustained excellence and the longevity of Tom Brady, who at age 38 is playing as well as he ever has. I cannot disagree with that. That game against the Jets, for me, was just a reminder of how like we're seeing the best quarterback ever. I mean, that's it. And he's got everything you need. Greg, you got it. This is your boy. Uh, but you got to be pinching yourself. Five years ago, you never thought Brady would still be at this level. No, not at all. I thought I thought it was declining. I mean, 2009 was coming off the ACL. That was that was it. Made sense that he struggled then. But I would even say 2011, 2012. It seemed like he wasn't playing at the same, quite at the same level. You're just used to seeing the great, you know, one of the greatest of all time. So you notice it when he's only uh, a top ten quarterback. And yet, right now, that Jets game was maybe his best game of the year and this has been as clean and as good a season as I've ever seen because I think he's overcoming more than he would have in 2007. That's the difference. Last week you don't really have any running game. It's after Gronk it's not the most talented uh, wide receiver group in the Ten world. 10 drops like Dan said. The and other. the offense and he's making up for the offensive line. That he 
solves the offensive line by himself. They're on their third string. You know, they have to move Volmer to left tackle. They have a third string right tackle. They got rookies at guard. And that's why I'm worried about this matchup because that's all great. And they get rid of the ball quickly. Cameron Wake, his last two games, he's playing like the best player in the entire NFL at any position. <laughs> no, it is. He's I mean, lights for, out. For two weeks, he has been the best player at any position and in the And somebody NFL. lit he's a just, fire under Ndamukong Sue. And Ndamukong Sue is playing great, and those guys are so talented. You can and only, Rashad Jones is playing as well as any safety. You can only though. scheme up so much. So I think that's a tough matchup for what should be a weakness for the Patriots, the offensive line. I agree. I agree with all that. I think the Dolphins' defense will give the Patriots trouble. I think the Patriots' defense is better than people think. And oh, as yeah. great as the Dolphins' offense has looked, this is not a great matchup for the for the Dolphins. Patriots' defense can play. They're so versatile. Getting Hightower back last week was – Hightower had nine plays behind the line of scrimmage had, this week. He had a monster game. Jamie Collins is, is versatile. Chandler Jones. It's such an athletic uh, group there that are all right in their prime. I wrote a piece on it. They're all week. like young players in their prime. They're not going anywhere, Kansas. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh Wes, I like that you definitely have covered yourself on both ends here. I'm not trying to. I f- beat the Pats or play them well. You're like, oh, they're great. If they get wiped out by the Pats, like, oh, it was a terrible matchup. Don't worry about it. If it makes you feel any better, I feel horribly about the corner that I've put myself in. <laughs> well, they no. If they get blown out, then that proves what Wes was saying wrong because they, they should be competitive. I agree. This is the third straight monster game, by the way, for the Patriots. I don't think it should be a letdown or anything, but the Colts, there was a lot of emotion there. The Jets was a really tough game. Here's another game. Every game has been big. They, they've been a game plan offense. I think that is how you beat the, the Dolphins. As great as their offense has looked, I mean, they're getting big holes in the running game. I don't know if that'll happen. And Tannehill, Tannehill was very good two weeks ago. You were right. Last week, I mean, he did shockingly little to go up 41 nothing. He didn't do anything. The average pass was 2.58 <laughs> yards in the air, And that's no wow. – that's no uh, – nothing yeah, wrong with him. Yards. It wasn't his fault. He was absolutely perfect, but he made two throws. I, I went through it, and I was just like, how many throws did he make? He made two throws the whole game. 286 yards, I believe, and like 258 were after the catch. All right, let's do some picks on this game. Ooh, this is a tough one. Here we go, Wes. <laughs> Winner and score. I agree with you that if if the Dolphins get blown out, I will never mention them as a playoff team again. Ooh. If they pull off the upset, hey, I'm going to be constantly mentioning that they're a playoff team and you're going to have to deal with it. Hey, And uh, you know what? I will bow down and say you were right and I should have been more plugged in on this. However, you know, I even set this up as a potential Thursday night classic, but now I'm really thinking about it. And I just think the Patriots are so good. It's still it's prime time. At Foxborough, Tom Brady playing as well as any quarterback ever. 31-14 Patriots. I'm going 30-27 to 27 Patriots win. Mm. Well, you I really think. are covered both ways, though, here. I'm not trying to be. I hate that I am. A blowout, really, then I'm like Chip Kelly. I have no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's so much riding on this game. I can't wait. I'll go, Greg. I'll go 28-17. Close, close game throughout that Patriots pull. Blowout is... Uh, I don't think they'll blow them out. 20 points at all. Right. That's fair. I would say three three scores. You know, 17. No, nah, 20 or more. 17 points is a blowout. <laughs> no, it's not. If you're three <laughs> scores, you're not going to add another what? one at the end West of the year. West just built in another, like, what it, uh, little... If they lose uh, by 18 or 19, he's covered. Tannehill throws a pick six to Malcolm Butler with a minute left in the game, and they go up 17. That's not a blowout. <laughs> all bases covered. Got to be 20. All right. That's it for uh, uh, Tuesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back on Thursday, late Thursday, early Friday show. We'll have the Thursday night uh, game recap that we just talked about, so that will be excellent. And then we will preview all of the week eight games. It goes on and on and on, and uh, Mark Sessler will be back. I have it on good authority. Sessler will be back in the chair. Uh, We'll be back at full strength. So until then. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the boss, Sydney, behind the glass. Until then.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.